podcast for those who suffer, which is everyone. It's a space where we can speak honestly about what it feels like to be in desolate places without losing hope. Welcome to In the Thicket. Hi, everyone. We're so excited about our guest today. We're going to be talking about suffering in the context of grief and balancing hope in God with allowing ourselves to experience the reality of uh, the emotions that come with loss. And we hope you enjoy. Okay. Hello, everybody. How's it going? Good. Hello. Hi, all. (laughs) Good. (laughs) I think it's been a you have coffee, nice. Yeah. I have tea. Erin, I love that mug, the just married mug. That that was given to you by someone after your consecration, right? On my consecration day, my friend Annie, shout out to Annie. Yeah, she she was so beautiful. She did my hair. She came and stayed with me the night before. She gave me like a present before. She gave me flowers. She gave me oh. like it was like a shower of joy, you know? But yeah, so this, yeah, I quite, I quite enjoy it. So married. For those of you who maybe don't know, Erin is a consecrated version and she's one and a half Jesus. years in, yeah, mm. yeah, totally. Yeah. So, Which still newly wed, kind of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> put that in the Valentine's Day episode. Yeah, oh, that's great. So, I'm good. Um, well, today we have a special guest with us. We have Christine Moss. She is, um, many of you might know her. She's has an Instagram um, account, which she shares a lot about just Catholic family life, as well as, as some of her journey for the last uh, last couple of years, and which she'll share more about. Um, but welcome. It's really nice to have you here. And uh, so thanks for being here. Yes, thank you. I'm very, always very happy and excited to just chat about life and faith and mm-hmm. be here with all of you beautiful ladies. And in solidarity with those of our listeners who are Canadian or like Northern US people or other places in the world, you guys got a bunch of snow last night. We so. did. We got our token <laughs> yearly snow and we never know if it's going to be half an inch or in this case, six inches and it's still coming down. Nice. Wow. So, we so do your have... kids get excited? Like, do they get super excited when there's snow or are they like, Bleh! No, they do. They get very excited. And it's just enough to play in and have fun. And then it goes away. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I right. will say I do prefer the snow over the rain. We get way too much of that. Mm, the snow mm-hmm. is pretty and bright and the rain is just, you know, yeah, yeah. good yeah. old Downer. Northwest. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm the same. I'm from Winnipeg originally, which is like one of the coldest and snowiest places in the world. At least we like to think so. People like to debate me on that sometimes. Yeah. But anyways, but I, it's true. Like the snow, it's it bright. I think that's I love the brightness that it brings, you know, like it can still be cloudy. But if you've had a fresh snowfall, everything is just brighter, right? Reflects. Yeah, it's so great. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you doing, Rachel? Well, yeah, how are you, Rachel? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm just like having a good time listening to everybody talk about snow. Um, yeah, I guess if we're talking about snow, I went for a walk yesterday for the first time in like five days. I left my house because that's the effects that lockdown. Ha- I'm a homebody, and it's like bad when you're a homebody and you're in lockdown because you forget to go outside. You're like, oh, it's great. <laughs> Starts so, to be like, this is the normal. This is life now. This, this is house, life. This room. Exa- exactly. So yeah. I left my house yesterday on purpose, and it was really lovely. And I was, and there's something like really quiet. So it's snowing a lot where I am too in Hamilton. And, and it was just like this like blanket of like quiet and beauty. And it was still snowing as I was walking. It was, and there was not a lot of people out and it was just beautiful. And I think, yeah, it's just like having all these very poetic thoughts about me. <laughs> I love that you okay. said like that you leave your house on purpose. Like, no. <laughs> like there's another way that all of a sudden you're outside and you're like, what? what the heck? I don't know. I'm, I'm strange, Erin, you know. I do <laughs> wake up sometimes so outside. Good. I'm like, what is going on? No, I'm kidding. No, okay. you know what? Can I just say, there, yes. when I say I leave my house on purpose, I mean – and tell me people if you don't relate, some people, homebodies out there. There are sometimes you're forced to leave your house because there's something going on and and you have to, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like it's on purpose but not intentional, you know? But mm-hmm. yesterday I was like, I'm not – no one's forcing me. There's no gun to my head that's saying you right. got to leave your house. I'm yeah. just doing it because I want that's to. That's fair. Right. That's fair. It just made me think about this video that my sister posted um, or shared or whatever. So we'll post it, but it's so funny. There's a girl who sleepwalks. And so she posts a video herself like sleepwalking and she's getting cans pop from her fridge and going outside in her one piece pajamas and throwing them at the lawn. And there's like a guy who's walking by anyways, it's 
hilarious. So. How did the video happen? Like, did one of her family members take she, it? No, she has like a night vision camera. That's that's a oh, so she can keep track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, oh my gosh, that's wow, amazing. Highly entertaining. Yeah, <laughs> and dangerous, I am. Um, <laughs> speaking of dangerous, I'm going to go back to snow. So I I've started biking, like biking to lab in the snow. Um, I mean, biking to lab, I, I do that, but then it snowed and I had to decide, okay, am I going to, am I going to do this? You know? Um, and most of the time it's actually fine because the roads are pretty, pretty clear, but there's been a couple of times where you're just biking through a lot of snow and it's just such an interesting experience because the bike starts to kind of slide around and you just have to commit, like you just have to pedal and go because otherwise you'll just sort of tip over. <laughs> so it's yeah, a new experience. Intense. I'm not sure. I'm kind of, <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm impressed. I'm so impressed with you, Nicole, right now. Yeah. Well, hopefully I don't, you know, crash or anything. I haven't yet, though, so that's good. You good, yes. But. Yes, please, Lord, there's no, like, you don't come on next time with a sling or something. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, update. <laughs> no, I can still walk, too. I mean, I don't need to bike. Apparently the physics, I know this is totally off topic, but we're going to get on topic really soon. But the physics of bicycles is apparently mind boggling. I'm not a a Mm. physics student, but some people I know that are in engineering and stuff like that have kind of shared that with me. Apparently it's like, it's sort of a mystery. So if any Mm. people into physics out there have answers for us about bicycles, let me know. Apparently it's a a mystery. Yeah. (laughs) Bicycles and God mysteries. There you go. Another (laughs) podcast we can do. Sorry. Um, well, let's so let's uh, let's dive in here with our with uh, Christine. So, just wondering if you could just share with our listeners um, who don't know your story, just what your story's been, um, and then uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. My name is Christine. I live in the Pacific Northwest. I have four children, um, two girls and two boys, ages six to almost thirteen. So wow. I'm entering the teenage world. She <laughs> reminds me every day of that. <laughs> and six months ago, I was uh, widowed when my husband passed away from um, complications of brain cancer. And he was diagnosed not even a year prior. He had a seizure out of nowhere and totally thought it was stress. And when they said he had a big mass on his brain, it was just this semi-truck you know you kind of hear stories of things just coming out of the blue unexpectedly and it was that moment and more and so he had softball sized tumor in his left frontal lobe and he ended up a couple of weeks later in surgery to have a tumor reception tumor resection with as much as they could take out and They got about 80% of the tumor and that surgery went really well. He came out of the surgery as he went in. And I remember going into the ICU and he just gave me the biggest kiss and said, I love you. And we were supposed to go home a couple of days later. And then his swelling, which we thought was normal, ended up, um, ended up being fairly life-threatening. So the residual tumor ended up swelling inside his brain and his brain had what was called an uncle herniation. His uncus herniated onto his brainstem. And so he was, he went completely unconscious within a couple of hours. He went from not knowing what the remote was to not knowing who I was to not knowing, not being able to talk, not being able to respond to any sort of stimuli. So he was sent off into emergency surgery. And basically they said they had to go in and remove the part of his brain that was on his brainstem. And with uh, that surgery, we didn't know what sort of neurological damage he would have, or even if he would wake up, his surgeon basically said that, that I needed to prepare for him to be brain dead. And Mm -hmm. so he came out of that surgery and Uh, It was very early in the morning, actually, on the Feast of Michaelmas, St. Michael the Archangel, and his Mm -hmm. name was Michael Moss. Mm, And so if there was ever a day for a miracle for my husband, it would have been that day. And Mm -hmm. we had 50 people in the ICU back when people could be in the ICU. And we had prayer rallies with you know, virtual prayer rallies, people there. And I remember the kids, it was the kids and I in the 
hospital room with him as we were praying over him. And um, I, when the kids were praying and holding his hand, you could see his hand move a little bit. And then a couple hours later, we had a priest come and say mass and he received uh, the precious blood on his tongue. And Mm. the next day he was uh, extubated and awake. And unfortunately, he did suffer quite a bit of neurological damage from that surgery. He didn't know who I was. Mm. He went through a couple of weeks in the hospital of just going through a lot of brain changes. I won't get into all the details, but basically... Basically, you know, good side, bad side, good side, he, he was alive. He's still here. Right. He ended up moving through some neurological changes fairly, fairly quickly and settled personality-wise um, very much into who he was before surgery. But he also went through some neurological changes that were quite drastic, short-term memory loss, um, and he went through some periods of being impulsive and, but luckily, like I said, that settled down long story short, he went through goodness, nine months of just various treatments and complications. He had seven weeks of radiation. This time last year, we started into chemo, which caused a whole bunch of issues and treatment after treatment and side effect from all these treatments leading to another treatment and another side effect. And he ended up suffering um, a mini stroke from a lumbar puncture in July and ended up passing away at the end of August. So there's obviously lots in between there, but we, my husband and I uh, were both born and raised Catholic and had some very powerful reversions of ourselves when we were in college and met Hmm. when he was four years out of college and I was just coming out of my senior year. He was doing some campus ministry we met and fell in love and we had 14 years together building our life mm-hmm. thank you so much for for sharing that christine even even you know just the just the sharing of that um i mean i have no idea but i can imagine it's a, a mixture of like hard and good you know like Yeah, I think, you know, when you talk about, you know, when I bring up these different stages or these different points of our journey, I feel like I could spend a lifetime talking about the chemo and talking about the surgery and talking about the emotional stuff and talking about our relationship and how faith played in and all these different aspects Mm -hmm. of life and its nuances and how all of it played out and where we are today. Right. Yeah. It's just so big. It's such a, it, you know, it's overwhelming. Even like we are just hearing this for the first time. And like, I can't imagine living through something like that. It's like overwhelming just to hear, hear it. So, I mean, thank you. Well, so I used to be, uh, I tend to do life big. So maybe, I don't know, maybe God through all this, I never say God gives us what we can handle. I mean, he always mm-hmm. gives us more than we can handle because we need him to make up the slack. Yes, yes. So yes. when I fall flat on my face and I realize I can't do this, it's because I'm not supposed to have to do it right. on my own. But yeah. I used to be an ultra runner. And so I used to, you know, the the mantra or the success of ultra running is 90% mental, 10% mental. <laughs> like, you can right. get used to running on tired legs hmm. and... Hmm. And getting your mind in the game, then you can pretty much go as far as you want to go. And I think a lot of those tenants really transitioned well into this journey that I, I mean, I had my own health struggles that fortunately I was able to get in under control before my husband was sick. So I had the energy and the stamina to be able to handle all these things. And then, oh, so much grace, so much grace. And that's where I think what fills in the blanks is when people say, Oh, I can't imagine going through what you went through. It's like, well, because I had the grace in the moment, I had the Mm -hmm. grace in the moment to be Mm -hmm. able to do all these things on my plate and caretake Mm -hmm. and, and handle. And then once the moments are over, that's kind of when you fall apart. Yeah. 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 I think that's a really, um, a really wise thing, you know, so often I'm thinking of just my own attitude towards life and towards suffering. And 
um, there's so much fear of you know, what if this happens in life? What, you know, and, and you can, you can kind of catastrophize and imagine all these terrible things happening in, in life. But the reality is, and I think it sounds like from what you're saying, it's like the, you, just being in the moment. And it's like that, that grace for the moment and grace for today. And it's just, you know, going one day at a time and being in the present moment. Um, sounds like something. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yes, for sure. Well, an example of that before my husband was diagnosed about a year before I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. And months prior to that, I kind of had a feeling, but I was freaked out, like so scared of getting Lyme disease. And then here I find out that I have it. And it was almost like this weight off my shoulders. And I said, huh, I can't be afraid of it anymore because I have it. So then you just go with it. And it really wasn't all that bad. And I, I mean, it was bad, but I was able to get through it and learn so many things that were actually quite beneficial to my husband's journey about health mm. and body and so mm. on and so forth. And so the things that we're afraid of, I always say we suffer more in imagination than in reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. I think that's quite fitting where the world is at today is we're all afraid of where's all this, where's this world headed? Right. And if we stay stuck in this fear, we end up making decisions and things out of fear, which is never the wise thing to do. It's trusting that if I am in a situation that is so hard and so sad and so overwhelming that God will be the one to give me the grace. And I won't know what that looks like because I'm not there yet. Right. Yeah. That's so, that's so wise. That's, that's really good. There's this movement in the church called the Spirituality of the Cross. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of it, but um, mm-hmm. there's some people from my parents' parish who I know really well who are part of this movement. Um, and anyways, they they it's lay people. I think there's priests and stuff as well involved in it who commit themselves to this sort of way. And thinking about the cross, they they talk about anticipation of the cross being like, we're not supposed to anticipate our crosses. We're supposed to Hmm. receive the crosses when they come, but we aren't supposed to sort of like kind of what you guys are talking about, like conjecture and imagine and anticipate. We have to be where we are now. And when the cross comes, we receive it. But yeah, so I'm just thinking that's sort of making that connection in my mind of what you're saying, Christine, of like the grace will be there in the moment that we, that we need it. Um, and maybe not a moment before. And so, you know, Hmm. not to, to live in the cross before you have it in a way. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. And I think as humans, we just want to know what's coming. We want to be able to wrap yeah. our minds around life. And the dangerous part of that in two ways is we might think, oh, XYZ is coming down the pipe in my life, or in this case, perhaps the world. And then we actually miss what's actually happening because we're so stuck in our own mindset. But then also, um, goodness, I forgot the second part. But yeah, just it's, uh, yeah, sorry. Mine went blank. That's okay. No worries. (laughs) All the time. That's like a fibro thing too. So half the time is what happens to me. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even Um, while you were speaking, oh, sorry, Nicole. Um, No, go for it. While you were speaking, I had, um, like, I was just thinking about um, reading uh, C.S. Lewis's A Grief Observed before. Mm. And, and like, um, for him, the things that were really, like, surprising of losing his wife, you know? And, um, And so I'm just, like, I'm wondering in your experience of, like, grace and how the Lord provides and things like that, like, what were there any things is there anything that's kind of surprised you about god or that you didn't expect in that kind of like walk of losing michael or or the grief that you've been kind of walking through since then i think during his the time that he was on hospice which was about 6 weeks there that was the if i could just live in well not forever in those six weeks, but that was the most holy, sacred, beautiful time. And we think of death as this really scary, tragic thing that should be avoided. And yes, we're all going to face death. And if my husband was going to face death, to be able to have the gift sacramentally and physically and emotionally and spiritually of walking with him in those six weeks before he died, Hmm 
it was, I mean, I, I really, I don't fully have words to encompass what that was like for myself and my kids and the Mm -hmm. gift that that was and how God takes something so ugly like death and cancer and all of those things and can bring such beautiful things out of it and the things that I learned and the things that I grew in. And there were moments he gave me great abandonment to be able to just accept Mm -hmm. what was coming. I don't know if partly that was shock, Mm -hmm. but I think it also just lifted the burden. So I was able to focus on him and taking care of him and being able to enjoy every moment and make every moment as beautiful and fruitful as we could. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when God has surprised me just with different spiritual experiences after he died as well, a great um, just purgation of my own desires and attachments after Michael died, I felt a lot of myself naturally, I think many people do when they lose someone, a part of myself die with him. Mm. And it was a lot of the attachments of things that I had to this world and just a surprise now of, you know, I've always been heaven minded just through life and suffering, but now having literally a part of me on the other side of the veil Hmm. is an experience that even for the children too is quite incredible. It has really oriented my whole life and their life to our goal of trying to make it to heaven Mm -hmm. and, Hmm. and where faith has come into all of that is just sacramentally being close to my husband and Hmm. yeah, just the gifts, the gifts uh, spiritually and how God is, you know, how he is, walking with us during this time, even though sometimes I want to push them away like this morning. Yeah. <laughs> Get away from me. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. I'm human. I mean, yeah. I'm, yeah. yeah. so it's the hardest part is probably balancing the spiritual journey with God and how amazing that has been with my human emotions of grief yeah. and anger and mm-hmm. worry and sadness and missing him and mm-hmm. so mad that we got cut short. I mean, you don't get married yeah. thinking that you're going to have 14 years. You get married thinking we're going to stick it out for the long haul. (laughs) Yeah. So that Ah. is always a shock. Yeah. And I think that's something, oh, sorry, Rachel, I didn't mean to go yet. No, Um, no, I, yeah, go ahead. No, I I just, well, a couple of things. I was getting shivers when you're talking about just that, that sense of a part of you, you know, dying with him. And yet that, that then connection that you have to, to someone who is with God um, in a more profound way, like in heaven. And, um, that's just so, that's so profound. But then also what you're saying is the balance of the spiritual and just the human. And, you know, I've been, I've been following your, your, you on social media and I, I've been so, um, you know, in our podcast, this is something we want to do is, is to be able to talk about the human part of the suffering and that that it's okay. Like it's okay to be going through all of these things. And yet also, you know, uh, that, what does that look like in faith? Um, And so I wondered, you know, you, You've shared very, um, you shared very vulnerably, I think, um, about this whole journey, and also very, like I don't know, very beautifully, just on both of that, the human level and on the spiritual level. And um, was there a point where you decided, okay, yes, I am going to share this stuff, or, um, or did it just kind of come naturally, or, or yeah, just what's your been, what's been your experience of of sharing um, this? Yeah, so. In the beginning, when my husband was diagnosed, uh, the just the whole notion of being open to what God was going to do through our journey for other people was very much on my heart and apparent to me. And it was quite a struggle, I would say, during even the times he was sick and trying to write and trying to figure out because my husband was a very private person. And so trying to give enough about treatment and just updates mostly to, to family and friends, but then also mm-hmm. write the emotion side of it. And writing very intimately is, is a great help, but it was also, it was also just kind of tricky as kind of time went on. But as he entered the period of when he was dying, 
I think that some of those reservations were, were lifted and God gave me a bit more freedom to write what was on my heart. And as he passed away and then in the time period or the time period after, I just, I just allowed what I was going through to be come words on a paper Hmm. Um, because I know that so many people have crosses and that so many people are suffering and no, it may not be losing a husband, but there are things that are just as heavy and just as difficult and perhaps just as unseen. So to give words to something that is the human journey and the human condition of loss and grief and finding yourself in a position that you didn't expect sharing that I, I knew would be helpful for others, but it also, I say makes my own cross lighter because when we share our crosses with other people, we're able to, we're able to just encourage and, and help, help people in their own journey. Hmm. It makes me think of even like, um, the writings of the saints, you know, like, cause there's, we post often on social media or we'll talk about it or whatever, like quotes from saints about suffering or about, you know, like the hard things or crosses. And, um, I forget what the quote is from St. Ignatius, but basically like when the Lord gives you suffering, um, like it's because he has great plans for you or because, um, he desires great holiness for you or something or something like that. But, but it's, um, yeah, there's, there's something I think to be said about the mystery of suffering, which, which is something that's kind of been acknowledged in like lots of writings of the saints or, you know, papal encyclicals or things like that. Like there is a mystery in suffering, but there's something that, that is really um, like moving and deep when somebody else like not you is externalizing this, this like mystery in some way so that it like touches on the mystery that you're, feeling and in some way brings like some some light to it like exactly like you say that it might not even be the same circumstance but it's like this the suffering like the 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 sense of it is um well yeah all of our sufferings whatever we are whatever god allows or whatever god sends us in our life is meant to purify us for our our holiness and yeah i tell him i why couldn't there have been another way? Why couldn't mm-hmm. you have just struck me with these revelations when I was sleeping or when I was, you know, and he could have, mm-hmm. but he, he, mm-hmm. and I don't know why. I don't know why he allowed my husband to die. I, all I know is that what he is doing from it, maybe he couldn't have done in a different way. Mm-hmm. And so allowing I think our greatest gift to God can be allowing him to do what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And especially when we're upset and angry about it and upset. And especially when we are questioning is to allow that human, those human emotions to come, but then also to follow it up with, okay, God, but I, I let you do it because you're God and I am not. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's a relationship. It's a relationship that we have with him. And until we embrace that he is nothing but good, I think that becomes difficult. Once I was able to really fully embrace that God is nothing other than good, then even the questioning and the doubts that I have of him can be ordered in the right way. And so I've always had this burning desire for many years to be able to share my walk and journey in life only because I've been through a lot of different things, even a lot of different circumstances and sufferings that I haven't shared. And I don't know to what extent in the future I will share. But when I heard from someone else that validated spiritually and emotionally what I was feeling and experiencing, it gave me great power and strength to be able to move forward in my journey. It's like when we... Mm -hmm. When we want to become something, we learn from someone who is that. And if I want to become a saint, I'm going to learn from the saints. And the saints, when I feel something 
in my life in regards to grief, loss, hope, faith. And then I read something from St. Ignatius or St. Teresa of Avila that validates what I'm feeling. It makes mm-hmm. me realize, okay, I'm on the right path. Right. I just yeah, yeah, need yeah. to keep moving forward. And so I'm not a saint, but if I can provide the same help to other people in their own journey, that it's okay to feel this way and to have a deep faith. It's okay, uh, you know, just just holding all of it, the, like I say, the physical and the spiritual and, and making yeah. making our lives an offering. I just, I feel like it, it's such a strong woman of faith that I'm listening to right now, you know, and it's like, it's so amazing because it's ever it's that authenticity that you're that you're giving you know away right now in your story and just in sharing with us is really really powerful and it's just i i just have the sense in which like the lord is reminding me that we are the body of christ you know and that it's so empowering as the body of christ to hear um you know i just met you today but to hear a sister in christ like another baptized woman of god proclaim the truth of the Lord's love and the cross in her own life and just kind of being real about that because it it when when you're talking it sort of bypasses all of the the filters of all of the kind of fluffy stuff about life and just kind of is is resonating with the, the deepest reality that I'm living and that we're all living you know and I think that in itself is such a gift so yeah, it, it God has clearly given you this incredible strength and grace to share the story while it's unfolding, even, yeah. um, which is so amazing. Um, but a question that I'm having is also like in the humanity of your experience, like all of the stuff, the missing your husband, the you know, just the real everyday life stuff that comes along with the journey that you're walking right now. How do you fight despair? Like I, and I mean, I'm coming from the outside. So again, I, I don't have the graces that the Lord is giving you to live what you're living, but we all experience despair whenever we face challenges and trials in our life. And, um, you know, how, how has that been for you? That battle has, has it been a battle for you? What's that been like? It's funny. You should bring that up because this morning, I, and, and for the past couple of days, it's been bubbling. I've re, I've learned to shut thoughts of anger down right at the beginning and, and try to channel it a different way. But I have been very angry these past few days about, especially about the time Michael and I had getting cut short mm-hmm. and, and not being able to be a wife to him. And, and the last thing I wanted to do this morning was to talk about God, <laughs> right? mm-hmm. especially when yeah. I'm mad at him. Yeah, yeah. But, but I think the thing is that I've realized is I just take a deep breath. I know the truths in my mind. And I think that's where studying things like philosophy and theology are important and having a framework of who God is in our mind that we can remind ourselves when our feelings aren't matching up with that. So I tell myself, okay, and this isn't a coping mechanism. This is not something I see as just a band-aid, but I say, okay, God is good. This is my lot in life. I just need to keep fulfilling my state in life. I'm a mom. I have things to do here. I, God has put me in this position where he does want me to share my story. I spent a good couple of months after he died, really just uh, not only grieving, but also discerning, okay, what, what, what is to come of this and really kind of wanting to just stay in my little hole and with my kids Mm -hmm. and live life. And there's nothing wrong with that. It was just very beautiful, but he kept saying, okay, you need to write like Mm -hmm. now you need to. And so I think one thing that helps me in times where my feelings in the human side doesn't match up with my, uh, you know, with the faith that he's given me is I just keep putting one foot in front of the other and I keep Mm -hmm. up. Uh, St. Ignatius talks a lot about in his discernment of spirits that when we hit desolation, that we have to keep up with our practices, our spiritual Mm -hmm. practices and so I grit my teeth and I opened my little office of the Blessed Virgin Mary this morning. And I might not have said those glory bees, but I read all this 
<laughs> and then I shut it and, you know, and so yeah. there, honestly, the times of great reward have come after the times of greatest desolation. When my husband mm. had recently passed away, I probably a month or two later, I um, was very close to just abandoning all my faith altogether. Mm. I didn't. I think we all hit that point at some point in our lives mm-hmm. where is mm-hmm. this, is this real? Is this something I want to continue believing in? Yeah. And I chose, I chose to stay with him and to stay with my faith and to stay with Catholicism and to stay. And after that, the spiritual rewards were quite astonishing. Mm. And so now I have those experiences of a handful of great desolations like that. And then smaller ones where if we stay faithful, God does reward us. And I know our full reward is not here. And that's, I think why I keep plugging along is I do trust that, that just like our lady of Lord said, I promise not to make you happy, you know, not happy in this world, but in the next. And so for my children and I, when we hit despair, we just dream of heaven Mm-hmm. And if this is the way that we get there, then this is the way that we get there. Mm-hmm. That's so real. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing, especially about, you know, like those feelings of anger or just questioning, yeah. okay, do I really want to stick with this faith? Is it, you know, or what? And, and that feeling of, of just of doubt and all of that. Because I think, especially a lot of people maybe who've grown up in the church or in faith um, and then who hit, something in life that that causes all of this kind of doubt and anger and, and despair to rise up that we feel a bit ashamed because we know it's in a sense we know maybe we know what we're supposed to believe but we just we're just not there in that moment um but that it's it's okay to have those experiences but then like you said Christine that um that you make the choice that you or that you made the choice to say okay well I am going to, I am going to stick with this and that the grace comes then, um, or just moments of desolation being, well, I am going to pray this morning, even though I'm just not feeling it. Um, and those kinds of things, but that it's, that it is okay to have those, those moments and those, those experiences that is part of being human and it's part of being a person of faith too. So it really just, thank you for sharing and being vulnerable with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. And I think, I think, uh, father Ripperger recently said in November, he gave a talk on spiritual warfare And he talks about how all, it's a very powerful talk, but one aspect of it is all the things that God allows in our life, all the the evil, the temptations and the suffering are meant for our great holiness. And so Mm -hmm. I faced a lot of evil death and death is evil. I mean, we're not meant to die. We're meant to live forever. And all these other aspects of life that are evil, but if we, if we allow it, offer it to God, he, what does he say in the Bible? He brings a hundredfold out of it. And so mm-hmm. when my own strength is failing, and even if my own love of God is failing, I try to keep my eye on the prize. You know, it's like mm-hmm. what St. Paul says, what are we running towards? I'm not ashamed to say that I'm running towards the crown of sainthood. That's what I want to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, you know, not a, you know, a title of saint in front of my name, but that's what we all have to have our goals in mind. Mm-hmm. And I want my own stainless window. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Throw a shotgun mine. Just be me with my mug of coffee. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so married. Oh, man. But even when you're speaking that, I'm like, yeah, like it's so it's so good even to know just the, just the incrementalness of it too, of like, of the, like the ability that we have to grow in saying yes, or the ability that we have to grow in saying in like cho- choosing, you know, in those difficult moments. And that, and that, cause I can even remember, like, there are so many times when I have chosen not, you know, like it's a difficult time and I'm like, well, too bad, God, you don't get me right. today. Cause I'm, you know, yeah. but then that, that there's like, and there can even in there be this like tendency to, to then, I don't know, just be like, okay, well, obviously I failed here. So, you know, I might as well just like let all these aspirations go and, you know, or but that that's like a very real thing. So I don't know if you've experienced that or like, what is that process of like growing in your yeses? Been, been yeah. Well, and it's funny, uh, 
those moments, I call them temper tantrums. We like to throw temper Mm -hmm. tantrums with God because just like little children, we don't think we're being heard. So we have Mm -hmm. to yell and scream and bite and punch and hear me here, you know. Um, But those yeses, I think always keeping in mind that I, I'm in a relationship with God and he loves me so much and he's my father. Mm -hmm. And I think in humility, recognizing that I, I am not God. I don't, I don't know why the world is the way it is. I don't know why my life is the way it is. All these hopes and dreams that I have that are gone and crushed and, but the saying yes comes from God is good. God is my father. God knows. God knows. And someday I'll know, but not right now. And I'm just happy and I'm okay with that. Not always okay with it, but mm-hmm. in being okay with not knowing and not having the answers, it allows the yes to continue because we have to, we're in a relationship with God. We have to work on the trust. And that's why I think spiritual reading is really important because we can't, if we just stay stuck in our head, Mm. we're not going to get anywhere because our head can do a lot of crazy things that Mm -hmm. use us and mess us up. So when I, like I've said with my own strength or faith is failing, I go back to what I've read from the saints and philosophers and Peter Kreeft and C.S. Lewis and, and all those, you know, Ralph yeah. Martin and yeah. Yeah. The fulfillment of all desires. One of my favorite books. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Love yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. Foundation. Yes. And father Jacques Philippe. I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, uh, man. So, so yeah, I don't, I think getting out of myself too. And is is a great help in being able to say keep saying yes so I think so far I think now I'm in it so much and I've allowed God sometimes kicking and screaming to do all these things in my life that if I were to give up now it'd just be a big waste it would all be in vain Mm. (laughs) all these unanswered prayers of all these things that Mm. I have prayed for and so many people have prayed for that have not come to fruition in the way that we've hoped I have to trust, and I do trust that none of that is in vain. Mm-hmm. That the things mm-hmm. that God put on my heart after Michael died, these great miracles that God longs to do, that maybe not have manifested in the way that I hope or want, that I still have to trust that all these, all these prayers and offerings, none of it is in vain. That God's hold, God holds every little thing and every little tear and every little thing I suffer he says in the bible what a hundredfold and so all those truths help and keep saying yes Mm -hmm. it's beautiful a thought came to mind as you were sharing that um christine about um just so I the the resurrection right like the hope of the resurrection is so what's the word like it it doesn't make any sense. Like it's beyond anything that we can imagine. So when, when the, you know, when John, who was the only disciple that was there or the other, the women that were there, Mary, it was like looking at the crucifixion, like imagining any like life after that was probably impossible because, because it was unimaginable. Like the resurrection was something that was not imaginable by human beings in a way. So, I, I was just, I'm just hearing what you're talking, what you're mentioning about hope. And it's, it's making me think of the resurrection and just the fact that the, the, the trials that we suffer sometimes are so huge and we can't make sense of them, but that the hope that we're called to is actually this kind of unimaginable hope of something mm-hmm. so much bigger than, than we can put into words and that we can't really visualize, but we also at the same time know is real because we know Christ and we know that Easter happened, you know? And so it's yes. like living in that unimaginable, but true, more true than anything else, reality is what you're witnessing right now and what you're saying, you know? It's funny you bring up that word resurrection because that's the word that was placed on my heart just a couple of days after Michael died. 
And I won't share that full experience quite yet, but just this prayer for the resurrection of my family, of everything that we have suffered, I know will come in eternity, but I also believe that God is the God in the land of the living Mm -hmm. and that he can do great wonders and miracles and manifest himself Mm -hmm. here on earth. And so I... I give God the space to do that in my life and my family that in not only allowing this great, horrible thing to happen, but also allowing God to be God and knowing that with but a whisper, whatever the resurrection of my own family in this world can look like, we need to give him space to do that because he wants to be God. When we say, God, be God, you know, resurrect us do who you are in our lives. He kind of rolls up his sleeves and he gets excited about that because we like to pigeonhole him Hmm. into something so small, but, but he, he's God and, and let's give him the space to be it. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. Yeah. I, I feel like we could continue just this discussion for hours and hours and hours, you know, and just keep talking. Totally. <laughs> but, oh, man. there's so. I feel like I just had so many shivers um, the whole time, and I feel really just edified um, by what you've shared, Christine, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will be as well. So thank you so much yeah. for yeah. for what you shared. And um, yeah, it's so beautiful when you um, like, I don't know if you guys find this, but I find even if it's somebody that you're just meeting for the first time, when you talk about like the deep things of God, there's like something that's so connected in that like relationship in the Lord already, you know, that it's like, um, I don't know, like the Lord can bypass superficialities. (laughs) Well, we all have that spot in us and I don't, I don't know where it is. It's somewhere in the deep belly of our soul. Yeah. God lives. Yeah. God lives there. And you know, being, being in a state of grace and allowing him to come live there. I think that's, that's the part of us that mm-hmm. is connected. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, I don't, maybe we have time for one last question. I don't know how many more questions, but I, I, I do know some people. I, I, I do have a friend mm-hmm. who uh, is a young widow as well. And I think for some people that I know, um, who have been through a, a journey and it, everyone's is unique. Um, and I, you know, I, I definitely know that to be true, but there is sort of such a temptation to be bitter. I mean, very understandably so, because like you said, you just feel robbed of, of something that you thought was, that you thought God was, well, God did call you to, God called you to marriage and you went into it with this whole commitment to that calling. And then it just kind of slid away from you without any warning and all this kind of stuff. So um, when you naturally experience that that anger that you talked about, and you did give us some of the things that you do, but when that anger sort of <laughs> refuses to leave or it, it mm-hmm. kind of does turn a bit into bitterness, how do you heal from that? How do you, um, and then maybe that's, you can't give all the details, but what are some of the ways that you kind of uh, heal from the bitterness that can maybe, uh, you know, happen in your heart from this trial? Yeah. Um, I try to first let it come without letting it turn into complete despair and throwing me into a complete tizzy. And so I think acknowledging it, it's easy just to kind of stuff it down or maybe not acknowledging it too much, maybe not letting it just completely take over. And sometimes I like to just make sure I have really beautiful things in my life. And so maybe it means that we need to have a day where we paint together or a day where we go do something outside because it's pretty. And so a combination of distraction and beautiful things and acknowledging it. And yeah, the bitterness is real. I I think it's a human emotion that no matter who we are, we're going to have when something like this happens and like today I'm going to go outside with my kids and I'm going to watercolor paint and I'm going to make a really great meal and I'm going to try to do things that I enjoy Mm -hmm. and those little joys will 
hopefully take some of the sting off mm-hmm. and hoping for the, for the better plan that comes from all of this hope. Hope is the great uh, solve to the bitter pill. Mm. It's uh, we need to we need to, I know we need to wrap up and move into to our God winks, but it's um, Christine. It's reminding me is that I think there's a quote from Saint Thomas Aquinas that's like when you're when you're feeling sorrow, the best thing is to take a bath, you know, have a drink, and like eat something good or something like that. And it's just super yeah, practical. right. Laugh with friends, have a yeah. glass of wine. I mean, all these beautiful things. They're all yeah. you know meant yeah. for meant for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well. Let us now share our God wings. Thanks again, Christine. This is wonderful. Yeah. And I think uh, if you you can, um, so our God wings are when we share, um, for those of you who maybe are new to this podcast, just something that's happened in the past week or in our past full of our life. It can, sometimes we, we, we go do throwbacks for several several years or months ago, but of just a moment where you were, you were going through something difficult and God showed up in an unexpected and sometimes uh, maybe humorous way. Um, and so uh, maybe Aaron, can you share what's your God wink this week? Oh yeah, I can share. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> so I had a really great uh, spiritual direction um, like a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, it was just, it was very beautiful. But one of the things that came from that was I was talking to my spiritual director, who's this like beautiful sister. Um, and she, I was saying how, like, that was quite painful to be not able to pray in the presence of the Lord and the Blessed Sacrament, because I used to live in an apartment that was like across a driveway from a chapel and I could go in there all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and e- like, even being here in Ottawa, like I'm not kind of that close to parishes that are open all the time for prayer. It just is more difficult. Um, and so I'm really missing that. And so she said, um, I mean, you have a Bible. So that's also, I mean, it's not the same as our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, but it is the word of God. Like there's something that is like present, you know, present, mm-hmm. like the Lord is present with us in that. And there was something kind of new that kind of, I don't know, came alive in me in some way or whatever, because I mean, I've like prayed with scripture, you know, like scripture is scripture. It's like there, it's part of our lives, but, um, but even just the act of taking my very theology of the body, you know, like placing ourselves in the character of a truthful sign, like my lovely, um, leather, uh, word on fire Bible that, um, that I have and like placing it where on my prayer table and like, Hmm. like kind of, um, yeah, like, like not like genuflecting in the same way that I would for the blessed sacrament, but like taking a moment when I come in, I'm like, you are here, Lord, you are present in your word to me. And this is you and you are real and you are for me. And like taking an intentional Hmm. moment to do that has been kind of like an ongoing um, God wink for me. And there's like this new, yeah, it's just like a new um, awareness of God's presence in in the Word that's been a real gift. Yeah, that's great. Wow, thanks, Erin. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful too. <laughs> and it's a good reminder too, especially for some of us who are maybe in lockdowns and don't have access to the sacraments in the same way that. Um, to just lead into scripture, lead into the liturgy of the hours. This is still part of the liturgy of the church and and mm-hmm. scripture. Um, so that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Rachel? Yeah. Um, so it's so funny, my my Godwing ties into what Christine, you just kind of um you were just talking about in terms of beauty, like beauty as a as a little bit of an antidote to some of some of the struggle, some of the pain. Um and yesterday I mentioned I went on my snowy walk, my intentional on purpose snowy walk. <laughs> and um and in my poetic musings, like one of the things that came this thought came to me that like I was looking at these pine trees that were covered in snow and they just looked picture perfect, you know? Um, but I was looking at them and I was thinking, if you went in closer, like if you kind of zoomed in, you would see sort of the mess of the living, the life of the pine tree, right? Like all the needles that are dried up and, and, and on the floor, the sappy bits and the, like the story of that tree as it grew. And so the beauty that I could see of the pine tree was a hard, is a hard one beauty. It's not a beauty Mm. that is, like superficially, like magically there. It's something that is earned. And I was just thinking like, yeah, beauty is something 
beauty is God, like God is beauty. And so anytime we we nourish ourselves with beauty, we are opening our hearts to him in a real way. But that it's a choice and it's and it's an and it's a hard one choice. Sometimes we have to um, decide that we're going to go with beauty instead of something mm-hmm. else, you know? And um, everything that Christine was just saying was just like, it was the God wink happening in the podcast, actually, because I was like, <laughs> meta <"Whoa."> wink, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy. But um, it's it's something that I feel like I need to sit with and think about and just meditate on, like, how does the Lord, and it's kind of exciting because it's an invitation to examine what, where, how am I touched and pierced by beauty in my life? And how can I invite more of that into my life? You know, um, how do I experience beauty basically? And and how can I have more of it? Um, so yeah, that was my God wink. (laughs) Beautiful. (laughs) Thanks, Rachel. Christine, do you have a God wink you'd like to share? I, I do. Uh, it is often moments like this or on Instagram, if I write something and then I get a message or, one little thing touches a lot of people and I really didn't expect that. I'm just kind of writing and it's, and sometimes I don't remember what I write. Like if you, if I were to remember what I wrote last week, but it just, I kind of draw a blank and God comes in and touches me with these, how these words are impacting people. Mm. And I see what people have shared with me in regards to their own story about how, and when I say these words, they're not all my words. I mean, it's my experience, but sometimes God lays certain words or phrases or things on my heart that I do share. And so when I am, when I'm struggling or wondering how is my journey even fruitful, how Mm. is what I'm sharing even fruitful then and I get these little reminders from people about how it is impacting their life. That's very, it's very encouraging, and it's. Mm-hmm. I think it's God reminding me to just keep doing, doing what I'm doing. Yeah, awesome for sure, for sure. Oh, thanks for sharing that too. And it's a good reminder too. I think to that if if someone says something that, or we we encountered God through them to to share that back. You know, to say, hey, mm-hmm. you know, God spoke to me through what you said because you never know when that. It becomes like reciprocal, you know, God making himself present back and forth. Right? Yeah, I don't know how many times I'm like, ah, I'm done, I'm done with Instagram. I'm done with writing, you know, <laughs> and then I hear something from someone and it's just enough to keep me. Okay, well, yeah, this yeah. is, this, I guess this I'm is not done. fruitful. Yeah. I'm not yeah, done yeah. yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So, yeah. How about you, Nicole? Yeah. So I'm going to show you. So for those of you watching on YouTube, I will show you. Otherwise, I'll try to describe it. But I have so I have one of those um, viney pathos plants and uh, it was growing too long. So I took a bunch of leaves off. So here's my leaves. They're growing in a, in a jar. But there's this one like most of them are, you know, a leaf and they're growing nice big roots. You can kind of see that. Yeah. Mm. So they've got these big, thick roots, but there's just this one in there. And I don't think I can reach it out because it's stuck. It has no leaf. It has no big root. Um, but it's, it's like one of the only ones so far that's actually growing a new stem out of itself to like continue um, growing. And I'm not sure how exactly it's doing that, but it's, it just reminds me, I, I don't know, it's just reminding me of hope where I'm, I'm looking at this one stick that I'm like, well, I'll throw you in there, but I don't think you're going to do much good. And that's the one that's bearing all of the life right oh. now. And like, you know, and so that's, I don't awesome. know, it just makes me think of, of those areas of my own life where I'm feeling like, I don't, I just don't understand. Like, this is, this is the worst. This is where I feel barren in this area of my life where this is not whatever it is, that maybe that's where new life is coming next, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, Amen. that's my God. Cool. So well, thanks so much <laughs> thanks again. Again. Like, for joining <laughs> us today. But yeah, thank, thank you. you so much. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, it's been right. such a gift. Like, oh, so, yeah. so good. I feel yeah. so pierced by so much. Like, I just feel like. Rachel's you know, so funny. She often was, will say that. She just, <laughs> I'm going to take this like a contemplative in action. It's so you know, intense. I, like, <laughs> I also just. Yeah, I loved also just vibing with you on all the different like spiritual books. I mean, yes, 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 yeah, yeah right. I know that's so great, <laughs> so good. So. Oh man, we got to have um, Father Jacques Philippe come to Newman 
twice he came. Oh, to you did? Time. Yeah, oh, so I got to meet him in person, which was like, and it's wow. so, um, I love when you meet somebody, it's like the person you meet is the person who's on paper when you're reading. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's just so authentic. And so oh, like, man. he's like little and cute and, you oh, know. Um, so gentle. Yeah, yeah he's like, yeah. He, I mean, he's like, his books personified, you know, which makes sense because there is books, but Anyways, um, yeah. if people want to follow you, they can follow you at The Future is Family, right? Correct. Yes. And I'm actually in the process of getting a website rolling. Oh, nice. So hopefully within the next few weeks, and that will be christinenicole.com. Christine. Cool. Okay. Yeah. That way I can write longer than the 2,000 characters. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Instagram. Gram it all in. That's right. That's right. That's wonderful. Oh, man. Okay. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye, God bless. Thank you for joining us for this episode of In the Thicket. If you like what you hear, give us a rating and hit that subscribe button. We have new episodes every Monday with more stories and honest conversations about life when the going gets rough and the hope and humor amidst it all. We'd love for you to join our community on Instagram and Facebook at In the Thicket Podcast. While you're there, let us know how we can pray for you. God bless and see you next week.